You know who it is, I think, if you clicked on the link in in our bio, and this is your first ever episode. Welcome to the Art Pros Live. You know, every a lot of people ask us how hey, Art Pros Gage runs how how do you guys get your podcast so smooth? And we like to tell them it's because of the mics. This episode today is sponsored by Mike's Hard Lemonade, where you can drink on the bright side. So go out and get your mics hard. No, fuck that shit. You better just start listening to the art pros for your mic fix or something. Yeah. Let me tell you something, a little something about Mike's Hard Lemonade. We're going to send this to uh, Mike's Hard <laughs> Industries. Um, Mike's Hard Lemonade, it tastes like a beach in your mouth. It tastes <laughs> like lemonade, but it gets you off your rocker. And the bottom of every bottle is fine grits of sand that you can <laughs> remind you of the beach where you could be right now. In the in the middle of every bottle is also lots and lots of sand. And don't forget to recycle every bottle. <laughs> every bottle. They're yeah. all recyclable. Yeah. Shout out to Mike's Hard Lemonade. So... The, yeah, that was an important segue because today's episode <laughs> is actually really about recycling. And we're really not sponsored by Mike's Hard Lemonade because they better pay us for us to do that shit again. But if they do pay us, we're going to recycle that clip. Yeah. That's an advertisement. <laughs> see? Yeah. So recycling is a big, big thing on everyone's mind right now. Did you guys know that Norway supposedly recycles 97% of its bottles. Oh yeah. All of its plastic bottles almost. And then they don't recycle anything else. No, that's it. I'm they just, just recycle the bottles. No, nah, they just that that was a an article that I saw where I think Norway was just trying to flex on the rest of the world being like, "Yeah, we only lose 3% of our bottles." But I wonder where those 3% go. What do you think they do with them? They just lose them? Yeah, they probably they probably just gets thrown into that other dimension. Three percent of there's three percent of irresponsible Norwegians out there. If you're in Norway and you're listening to this, and you're one of those people that takes your plastic bottles and instead of recycling them, you cut them up into little bits and throw them into the ocean. Well, shame on you. I'm tired of these people in the world flushing their plastic down the toilet. Like, like you know, you can't just dispose of everything by throwing it down the toilet. I get it. You get home. You were crushing a plastic bottle mike mike's hard lemonade but your wife or your husband or your kids are like hey 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 we thought you were gonna stop drinking after that fourth dui i mean that family still hasn't forgiven you and you're like oh shit they're gonna catch me with this bottle so you just put it in the in the toilet and you flush it down i get it but you know what what you should really do with it is you should cut a hole in the side of it and then drill a hole in the bottom and put a light bulb in that hole and then put the bottom of the light bulb and attach it to a wire and then plug that wire into the wall and then boom, homemade lampshade. Mike's mm-hmm. Hard Lemonade. Mike's Hard Style. <laughs> Drink on the bright side. Um, so recycled art or just recycling in general is a big part of making, especially when we're in the type of like economy where most things are meant to be used once. A lot of artists and a lot of people in general have found a lot of new different uses for old things. So Webster's defines recycling as converting waste into reusable material, returning material to a previous stage in a cyclic process or to use again. I think we're going to focus on the first definition of converting waste into reusable material because that's really what's important to me today um i think what's interesting about that to me is the definition of waste which isn't like you know it's it's I, i'm trying to think of it in 
a sense of prehistoric times where maybe a cave in caveman days waste would just be considered our pee pee and poo poo. And, you know, I think maybe the term waste came to be probably around when we started to become more industrious and, you know, started to farm, started to work together as groups more and more and bridging outside of the tribal tribalism just to just so you know society could get more buff and uh work together better well you know how um there's like waste energy in that like for pretty much any anything you do uh i don't know if it's friction but like let's say you throw a punch not all of the energy goes in the intended direction and you lose a little bit in the form of heat Mm -hmm. i think that as we industrialized we started to develop waste because along with more convenience through like you know manufacturing by manufacturing quicker there was more waste materials because it's quicker to just throw something away rather than to reuse it oh yeah i mean the big idea with creating new technology anyways is to make things easier to to kind of streamline processes and now we've gotten to the point where everything, like we've gotten so good at streamlining stuff. We've gotten so good at automating things and creating technologies to to make things faster, better, more productive, more efficient in more efficient ways. Now, like, I mean, it's a big topic. Everybody knows that we're, we're, we're throwing trash away at high rates and all of that trash and emissions from manufacturing or contributing to the yada, 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 blah, 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 and poor earth. Poor Earth, Earth. Earth is just sitting there like, dang, like, boohoo. Yeah, <laughs> while we're here sitting thinking we're we're like ruining everything, which we probably are ruining a lot, and you know, there's you know, endangered animals are dying. But I don't want to bum anybody out in this episode. Not, nah, I do, but go on. <laughs> That's really my piece right there. Is that we're we're. What do you do? What are we doing with all this trash? There's, you know, we just talked about Norway. It's a country that's being responsible about it. I know that there are many other countries doing the same thing, feeling the same way, trying to save the planet by recycling, by creating new methods of of um, processing wastes and new systems so that to, to make it easier for people. Other countries are doing well with that, but the, I don't know much about it because we don't do a lot of it. We is in the art pros. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 because it's not easy to convince people to stop doing the easier thing, which is to just throw the trash that you have, the waste that you have from packaging materials or whatever in the trash can. It takes one second. But when you ask that person and tell that person, hey, cut that out. You should be putting that in the blue bin, buddy. Wait, 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 you can't recycle that. That needs to go in the trash. Did you check that little triangle? Did you check the little number in the recycle triangle, bro? It gets, it can get complicated. See, I don't think that the future of developing a better way of getting rid of our waste is really going to be dependent on, you know, making sure you throw the bottle in the right, in the right hole. I really think that what artists and engineers and scientists and everyday people are working on is like innovating the way within which we recycle. Right. Right. For example, there's, um, what's called a microbial fuel cell Mm -hmm. that some waste management companies have been implementing into water filtration. So what a microbial fuel cell does is it's essentially a, a thin layer of material two thin layers of material with you know microbes in it some type of bacteria that eats waste and produces energy and what it does is if you use that as a filter for wastewater as you know those microbes eat our you know our shit and our piss they generate energy that they can that can then be put back into the grid so not only is it eating that and getting rid of that waste and helping purify the water but it's producing electricity. And those are the types of innovations that I think we really need to start doing in order to deal with our waste in a, in a reasonable way, because it's still like, even with solid waste, like plastic bottles or like dealing with, you know, PP and poo poo, as you put it, there's still going to be more waste produced by that industry. Mm -hmm. Ultimately. I mean, you still need, 
trucks to move that stuff around and you still need energy to to run those motors that crush down all the plastic into the little pellets that get melted down and turn into those weird benches you see everywhere. Mm. So we kind of need to innovate. And Which weird benches? The ones that like... They're like kind of weird plastic and they have a bunch of flex in them. You see them in like newer parks. Huh. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, People like to skateboard on them. They're like really waxy. I think I know what you're talking about. We got we to gotta find out what that material is called. But I remember I went to the Solid Waste Authority as a kid and they were like producing shit tons of that material. And like you could see all this like smoke going from where they were melting down the plastic to re- remake oh it. And God. I'm just sitting there thinking like, all right. So like, <laughs> I guess instead of it going in the oceans, we just breathe it in. Like, that's cool. What do you do right. with the benches when that's done? See, I, I don't know a ton about these sciences yet but i'm really interested in the way mycelium and mushroom different types of mushrooms can break down materials i know that you study that a whole lot and i find it really fascinating because i think like i'm pretty sure that there is a certain type of mycelium that can even process nuclear waste in soil yeah i saw something about that yeah for those of you don't know mycelium is essentially the mushroom root system think of it as like veins so when you see when you think of like the mushroom you think of like that uh you know it's got the what do you call that like the hat and then the stem it's a cap yeah the cap cap and the stem that is really just the the sexual organ of the mushroom you know it's what drops the spores but most of the body of the mushroom is like a system of of like you can think of it as roots that kind of work to find the nearest food source and that's really what the mushroom is. Um, and when a mushroom drops spores, those spores turn into that before they turn into to caps and stems. So a lot of mycelium can pretty much survive like anywhere. It'll like eat anything. You know, it grows in hardwoods. It'll grow in soil. And, and people speculate that you could use mycelium to break down plastics. You could use mycelium to break down, as you said, like radioactive waste and you know it's a big thing that people are working on also like when mycelium fully fills up a space like let's say you have like a box filled with wood chips and you start growing mushrooms in there when that mycelium fully saturates those wood chips you could bake that and it turns into like a pretty functional building material yeah so i i bought a book about these mycelium because i started to think that mycelium were pretty much the ultimate recyclers because the way it sounds they're pretty much miniature chemists because these mycelium that we're talking about these these systems that look like roots are very very small they're tiny and i read a statistic that said something like if you take a square inch of soil there's miles and miles of this microscopic mycelium if you were to put it put it all in a straight line so they're tiny they move to like gauge said to the nearest food source and they actually burrow and drill into materials like rocks to get whatever material that they think they need to survive. They can even communicate using these these networks to to I guess figure out in which part of this huge mycelium. I mean, they can span for miles and miles. One single mycelium is the organism that we call the mushroom. We only see that little stem or that little mushroom cap, but there's actually span for miles and miles underground. They they communicate when they collaborate with trees. They actually can also share nutrients with different plants and trees that they burrow into, and they take nutrients from the trees that that the trees has excess of, and they share nutrients to the trees that'll make the trees grow stronger, so they can share more materials together. And that works both ways, though, because it can be a little bit parasitic or it can be, um, yeah, I guess guess that's it. That's the the only negative for a a forest that has a mushroom connecting with trees and kind of distributing whatever resources there are to share. Well, in terms of OG recyclers, Mushrooms are part of basically the most important part of the life cycle, which is taking, you know, after an organism has died, mushrooms along, well, mycelium along with, you know, other microbes, they break down the body 
they break down other bodies, they break down trees, whatever, and turn it back into, you know, things that help other things grow. You guys all know the life cycle, I hope. Um, little side note, did you know that the world's largest living organism, single organism, is a mushroom? I did. I think it's in Washington. It's in Oregon. It's in Oregon. It's okay. nicknamed the humongous fungus, and its species is the army armillaria ostoye i think it's a honey mushroom yeah and it's an organism that covers almost four square miles of the malheur national forest in oregon but it feeds off tree roots so like you were saying it's parasitic leaching off them and actually killing them it's causing the forest to decay Mm-hmm. but you know that's just part of the game that's part of the game and you know what when those trees decay who knows? Maybe some sort of different trees can survive. Maybe the mushroom knows better. Who knows? Or maybe it's just greedy. I mean, when you get that big, your brain has to be huge, like giant. Mushrooms are smart. They're smart. They've done those tests. You've seen the, sl- the slime mold test. Yeah. I, it's not really a mushroom, but yeah, they think the same way. Yeah. For it's those part of, of the same family. Yeah. For fungus. those of you who don't know what... Uh, slime mold is it's really similar and it it also grows to uh get to the to food the fastest and i think that i forget where it was but there was a test where was it japan do you know what i'm talking about japan did it and then england did it too yeah do do you want to explain what the test is because you're like so smooth and sultry with this stuff well let me tell you imagine this imagine seeing a map of the tokyo grid system in the 80s, I believe, these really uh, clever scientists realized that this slime mold was, you know, growing and looking for food. And they figured, like, maybe it's maybe it knows the most efficient path to the food. So we're going to check this out. We're going to do a little creative test. So what they did was they printed out a top topological view of the map of Tokyo's railway systems. And for each major stop, they put a food source for the slime mold, and they used an oat, and oats, an oat signified where each major train stop from Tokyo was going to be. So they, they, they introduced the slime mold in the center, which was essentially where Tokyo would be on this map. And to their surprise, the slime mold actually was able to go and travel to these food sources in an extremely similar, almost identical way to how they had designed their railway systems which to be most efficient to be most efficient and that took them years and years and engineering degrees and education from educated educated planners and let's not forget that. hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of research grants big bucks and this slime mold just did it in like a day and what they even found more surprising was that it created another a few other paths that kind of at first, it didn't seem to make sense because to them, it looked like this, this mushroom was creating a path arbitrarily from what, like one isolated food source and or city, whatever you want to call it, to another. And the reasoning behind that that they realized was that, oh, at any point, one of these lines or pathways could get cut off. And this point is the most efficient way for it to, to kind of get around that that perhaps inevitable shutdown of one of these these um pathways yeah so it knew just in case i'm gonna make this path so it could be even more efficient in case one of these major lines breaks away or or something happens so that was pretty crazy of them it actually added to their systems to make it more um just like safe safeguarded just in case yeah basically uh if you think of major points in the city as like major organs and as part of an organism and, and people who, you know, are incorporated into that part of the city's commerce and, and economy, it, it really designs the best way to move those people that feed that, that part of the city best, which is really interesting to me. But what does this have to do with recycling, you might ask yourself? And I'm asking myself because we do riff this off of uh, 15 minutes of research. Probably not a whole lot, but I think that a big reason why recycling is necessary now and why so many artists and engineers and scientists are interested in it is because 
ultimately recycling comes as a response to a lack of efficiency that we had in the past, right? Would you agree with that? Um, can you explain it a little bit? A lack of efficiency? Yeah. So, you know, in the, in the, for example, in World War One, a lot of soldiers would carve stuff into old artillery shells that had been used and spent because they were using it to kill a bunch of people. And they're like, oh, like, what can this be used for now? It's just waste. And they turn it into art. Right, right. I get that. I, I, I agree. I think what, an important part about why we brought up these, these mushroom things is because I feel like it's a natural response of nature, period, to quote-unquote recycle and just reuse things that already exist. I mean, if, if at the core, one of the most important organisms in our ecosystem by far is doing that naturally, like that's how it evolved to survive for as long as it did and pretty much dominate the world and run how it works and decomposes. Yeah, when you hear about species that are dying off, it's never mushrooms. It's They're very rarely microbes that we don't systematically kill. Yeah, I mean, we're we're in a world of microbes and back the bacterias and and mushrooms, you know, microscopic organisms. Yeah, we're just so big we don't realize that they run shit. They really do. Look that stuff up, yeah. people. It's real. And I think that the r relationship with that is us. We're reflecting what they do because it's it's in our nature, it's in our core to yeah. reuse things. And and waste is really just a human word. Waste is because of us. Yeah, because we haven't found a use for it yet. Yeah, but we, we there is a use for it. And these mushrooms are looking at us laughing like, wow, they don't even know how to do that. And we just do it naturally. <laughs> well, I could break down this glass. I could break down these isotopes. I can I can cut the half-life of this down if I if I pop into this, this soil and do my best chemistry, chemist impression, and show up all these dumb humans. I can do it. It's in my DNA. It's not really in ours. We, we, we like... Think back to that example I just said. It took years and years for these engineers to make the same design for this efficient system than the than these slime mold uh, organism that we see as simple. So let me put it like this: It's the 1880s. You get all your food in burlap sacks, and you you ate all the grains that you had stored for the winter. And you know it was a good winter, and you know the crops coming in. And you're just like, you know, you did all your all your farmhouse chores and you're bored. And you're like, all right, well, I want to make some art, but I don't really have anything to make art out of. So you turn to those burlap sacks and you're like, you know what? I could turn this in, turn these into some really dope blankets. You start cutting up those burlap sacks and you're starting to come up with a pattern and boom, there's some art. You've made a quilt. And that was a big thing is, is recycling is not just in the best interest of you know, the planet for being more efficient. It's also a good way to find materials that you're interested in or to use things that you think are beautiful that, you know, something else may, it may have been used for something else, but it doesn't have a use anymore. You can bring that back into your real life. A good artist who does that, who has a show up right now at the Hirshhorn is Mark Bradford. He's amazing. He reuses old advertisements. He uses tar and old hardware um, to produce these beautiful large abstractions that aren't about, I mean, they might be about saving the planet. I haven't read his, his artist statement, but mostly it's just finding beauty and reusing something old. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that a lot of the things that he finds, the objects that he finds to recycle are reflective of his environment. I think that's his concept behind it as well. Yeah. Like, think about the term waste. Think about the term trash. You know, that's kind of a bad word if you think about it like that, because it's almost like it's intrinsically regarded as something disposable, like something that you can just just ignore. Yeah. Kinda. Like you just put it in a box and it goes away, but it's not going to go away. Can you think about trying to keep all of your garbage instead of throwing away and then figuring out a way how to use it later again? Yeah, like, I mean, it's it's so hard because... You know, you get pests when you keep like food waste. And I think that for, for me personally, because I don't buy a lot of stuff, what I get most is food pests. And, but, you know, there's and a lot of responsible waste. people out there that do composting, which is a really good way to uh, figure out what 
to use your food waste for. Yeah, um, for those of you who don't know what composting is, and I'm sure a lot of you do, interns, you're young, you don't have a house yet, you're not composting yet. All you got to do is you take your food waste, and as long as it's going to be okay for your plants, you put it in a big pile in the backyard or in a bag, you know, throw some microbes in there to break it down. Mushrooms work great, and it breaks it down into something you can throw into your soil with hella nutrients. Thank you, mushrooms, you see? And mushrooms also breathe oxygen. They breathe oxygen just like us. And mushrooms are closer to animals than they are plants. Think about that. Think about that, interns. You just got woke. You can use mushrooms for art. There's a way to turn mushrooms into a fabric. Yeah. <coughs> like, a l you all right, man? <coughs> I just breathed in all these spores from these dank rooms, bro. <laughs> oh, also, shout out to Colorado for um, making psychedelic mushrooms legal. I think Oakland did it, too. Oakland did it? Yeah. Yeah, for those of you who don't know... Johns Hopkins has been doing a study for years on the positive effects of microdosing uh, psilocybin mushrooms on people with uh, bipolar disorder and other mental health issues. And, you know, there's some cities willing to try it by decriminalizing it and ultimately making it legal so that doctors could try to prescribe it. And guess what? Here's a big announcement for y'all. Johns Hopkins also did a major study on the art pros about microdosing our podcast. And they said it's unhealthy because you have to listen to the whole thing. To really feel the effects of its smoothness. Yeah. It's a they, huge, long, long uh, article. It's a huge investment, but I promise you'll get you'll become a paid artist by the end of it. Yeah. Definitely. So just join our 14-step course. And at the end of the course, it, um, uh, you're guaranteed to make uh, exponentially more six figures of clout, six figures of exposure by your first six months after the program. You know what's crazy is um, in Baltimore, I've seen a lot of like like the recycled aesthetic being used. So people um, like taking down old warehouses and stuff and keeping all the wood and like turning it into furniture or turning it into like bar fronts. And while I hate uh, that type of stuff, I do respect the fact that it's becoming like a hip thing to do to to upcycle upcycling for those of you who don't know what it is is taking some like old waste and turning it into something more valuable than it was originally i think i mean i, I think it's also just um uh, something that's becoming hip because i think that it's been a part of the city's um kind of identity since before you know for for a long time because there have been artists that have worked with furniture to make art with for example tom miller is a very famous baltimore artist i wish there was more written about him online but really he's he's kind of unfortunately faded into obscurity except for the people in baltimore city who remember his legacy deeply and you know they send a lot of respect to that so um i have an interesting question for you gage who recycles and why would these that like that person recycle like who who recycles why why is that such a response in a city like baltimore why do you think people reuse things what is the need is there a need is that the reason do you have to respond to a need to recycle well i would say that if you look at history one of the most prominent like heavy recyclers in history were cubans during the trade embargo um after the missile crisis because what happened was basically they were cut off from resources and this was an impoverished nation that kind of made do with what they had to they would turn washing machines into bikes they would turn you know a sculpture into a ladder they would turn like an old door into a boat and that's not me stereotyping these are real things you can see pictures of all of this and i draw the comparison to places like baltimore and other places that have done things like that because what it is is it's an area that doesn't have resources given to it by the overarching government that's in control of its life mm -hmm. so when you don't have access to stuff you kind of have to recycle oh you know i don't have a car the government or the city hasn't made a really efficient transportation system yet they didn't use that slime mold to design a good subway and i'm all the way out in west baltimore and the home the closest home depot is you know 12 15 20 miles away there's no way for me to get there i don't my legs aren't that good i'm older but there's a huge hole in my wall or i need a door or i need a window 
well, you know, Jenkins up the street, he's got some old signs and, you know, there's some old foam and I found like a couple two by fours from like an old, an old door mm-hmm. and you use that to build something new while you have the time to do it. Like while you can do it just as a, essentially a band aid. Mm-hmm. It's not the newest materials and maybe it's not the best looking, but that's one reason someone might recycle. Mm-hmm. You know, at, on on a local scale, obviously we should all be recycling just because, like, why waste it? There's no point. You know, it costs taxpayer money to to have a waste management. Yeah, being wasteful is a. I see it as a luxury. For sure. You know. Yeah, I mean, I'm hella wasteful, but not on purpose. But I'm definitely hella privileged too. So whatever. Yeah, we're here. We're sipping. We're sipping on some some ice cold Mike's hards. Yeah, and I'm not gonna crush this up and put it in my compost. That's not even gonna work. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna. Fill it back up with my own homemade lemonade. <laughs> my own my own homemade vodka made from recycled old potatoes that I kept in the in the closet for too long. See yeah. the cool thing about recycling is there is a way to make it beautiful. Also. There like it's it can be tasteful to take like an old fila shirt, cut it in half, sew another old fila shirt on, on the bottom, and boom, you have a two-tone, cool-ass, collared fila shirt. You know what I'm saying? You look fresh. Everyone's like, oh, man, where'd you get your shirt? And you're just like, oh, dude, I actually made it. They're like, damn, could I buy one? You're like, hell yeah, let me just get like $80 because this is high fashion. Yeah. Yeah. You know, don't get it twisted because if you, if you, you are high... And you think you can be a hot fashion designer because you're looking at all these designs online. You're thinking, I can do that. That's not high fashion. Fashion while high is is, is different. Yeah, don't do, do, don't do fashion while high. You'll it get sounds, an FUI. It sounds like something a high person would do is cut a Fila shirt in half and then two Fila shirts and they just like put them together. But you know what? That shit looks dope. Yeah, it would look dope. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, or you can you can put like a, a Fila shirt, cut cut a fila shirt into four pieces an adidas shirt into four four pieces a nike shirt into four pieces and a puma shirt into four pieces and Boom, you make, make a four shirt, shirts the most hottest streetwear and then you fucking paste a nasa logo on that shit oh my god dude that shit would be worth like two thousand dollars and then in quotes in helvetica font you put shirt on the back <laughs> ego that's what the line is called just shirt <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 so <laughs> so we're gonna do that right that sounds like it's know. gonna make us a bunch of money i mean you know recycling is a powerful thing it is it's a powerful thing i I mean i think i think the word has a little bit of a uh stigma to it well i don't want to use the word stigma but when when you hear the word recycling when i hear the word recycling i don't really think like responsibility <laughs> well some people recycle and do crazy shit like i, I like going on pinterest and watching videos of people turning like an old vacuum and like uh like a couple plastic bottles and uh like maybe like a broken broom and turning it into like a homemade Roomba for a quarter of the price with some Whoa. hot glue and like a soldering iron. Whoa, really? Yeah, you guys should go online and look up just DIY whatever. Whatever you want. You could look up DIY chainsaw and you'll find a way to make it from like three screwdrivers and a and like an old <laughs> bottle of nail Lego polish. Bricks. Yeah, like yeah. no, I'm I'm dead serious. So yeah. it's so funny. It's yeah, really no, interesting. Right. I'm into that shit. I you know one of the things that I'm super interested in that, uh these days is something I stumbled upon while while on YouTube is people um Messing with the circuits and oil, old, <laughs> messing with circuits and old children's toys, like yeah. uh, old uh, children's synth or something like that, or any children's toy. If you or like you even open a Hallmark up, card, you can do that. It's called yeah. circuit bending, because essentially, like Avatar. yeah. What 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 they do is these these circuit benders. It it kind of was coined by this guy in I don't know the seventies maybe, and um, basically you open up. A toy, a radio, whatever, whatever little machine that makes noise, electronic machine that can make noise, and you mess with it a little, and you poke around in the little circuit in the back, and if it makes weird noise, and if you know how to uh, solder, you connect these pieces together, and it, essentially you're making a new instrument. That's that's some deep recycling, and there's a little niche for it these days because people think it's cool. It is cool. It's a big thing with musicians, like electronic musician nerds. Like they circuit break these toys, and it's like a rare object because you're never. It's unique. You're never going to see yeah. another instrument like that again. Yeah. Have you ever heard of a chip tune? 
What's that? It's people using, I I want to say, old Game Boy cartridges. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And old Game Boys to yeah. make music. And that was a thing, like, when I was in elementary school that was crazy it was crazy electronic music made of the fucking game boy is really rad yeah dude and it's the same concept of like hacking basically hacking together old stuff to make like a completely new like art form yeah just messing around you know electronics is a big like very neat thing to get into oh you just want to talk about complicated you want to flex your jimmy neutron brain because you've been doing arduino stuff lately yeah so i've just been uh messing around and Learning electronics recently, no big deal. Dude, Renz's you brain know? is like looking way too big right now. It's... I mean, yeah, I have trouble waking up in the morning because <laughs> I don't have enough energy to lift my my head up. I'm yeah. actually getting neck pains. A big I just, knot. I just imagine you struggling to lift your yeah. head off the pillow, usually <laughs> rolling your body off. Yeah, like my torso moves first, and my head kind of just sags down on the pillow like this, and I got like. Like kind of use in my the hands to pick it up, you know. We normally record in my studio, but I literally had to come to, like, his hallway because he could only roll so far. Yeah, I kind of, I had to uh, recycle uh, an old Tonka truck and a few little, like, levers and pulleys so I can kind of um, support my head as I walked in the wheels in the bottom. Just, you know, it's, it's hard to explain on, on mic, but anyways. Let me ask you something. What's up? Is, is redneck a pejorative? What is redneck a pejorative? What is pejorative? Like, is that like an offensive term for a demographic of people? A pejorative? It can be. You know what? Yeah. I don't think anyone who would be a redneck would be offended by that shit because I'm sure that they take pride in it. Um, <laughs> I see. I have like a a real affinity for what people call redneck engineering. <laughs> so like the like the type of thing where like you you have money. And you don't care about material stuff, so you just like do crazy shit. Like for example, make a, uh, you you like turn a back, like a dog pool into a hot tub by attaching it to like an air compressor and like a, a furnace, with just like some hoses. Or maybe you take your lawnmower and then you hoist it up with like a like a small crane, or a tractor, and then you use that as a hedge trimmer. Yeah, there you go. they're <laughs> responding to a need, man. Yeah, I remember. Um, so I used to work in D.C. And in the morning, we would take these drives. And there was this one house that we would see on the way up. And they basically built, like, their own... You could tell it was a, some, some serious redneck engineering going on in, in this deck on the second story. But what's crazy is this deck, like, extended to another section of the house, like, across. Oh, really? And these huge posts... Yeah, it was, like, seriously looked dangerous. But you could tell that whoever made that knew exactly... What they needed to do to, you know, maybe that person was like uh, uh, building house frames or something as as his job, and just knew that this would hold. Didn't look pretty, but he probably spent three hundred dollars building that deck to bridge across this home. You know what I mean? It looked janky. Yeah, and that type of stuff. I, I want you, uh, like interns, I want you to know that that those types of decisions that you make, not necessarily for your art, you can. You can use it for your art, but a lot of times you'll be in the studio and you'll come across a problem like, like, oh, I need to uh, squeegee across this, but I don't have like a big enough squeegee and you kind of rig something together. Like those types of decisions are really important during the art making process because you don't have the money always to buy like a fresh uh, screen printing table with a vacuum under it. You yeah. know, you don't have the money always to uh, like buy like a table clamp. So what you do instead is maybe you'll go down to the bike store and you'll ask for the old broken bike tubes and you'll cut them up and you'll have like ratchet straps or like elastic bands that you can wrap around it or underwear or underwear yeah, yeah. and it's like 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 as an artist for me i've done that stuff a lot like making frames out of like old wood you find on the ground because it's cheaper than going out and spending 200 dollars at a fucking michael's to get a 40 by 60 frame for a canvas yeah and it looks exactly the same so to me like i think the reason human beings have evolved to have these big, throbbing, powerful brains that are capable of what we call creativity, I think it's in response. I think this this facet of our brain that can power creativity is to be able to recycle. Yeah, essentially. I think the word, like, the, the 
creativity in reusing things, it goes beyond the word recycling. Yeah. Because recycling uh, pretty much, by definition, only refers to waste products. Yeah. But beyond that, we do so many more things that are in line with the reason we recycle. Creativity is about making something new with what you have on hand. And right now, the reason it's called waste is because we're not activating that part of making something new out of this thing that we've already, or what we that, something we think we've already used up. You know, like this bottle. If I drink all of this liquid in my bottle, I think, like, conventional thought, my initial reaction is saying, oh, I'm only paying for the liquid that I'm drinking. But after I drink all of this liquid, what else do we have? We have these labels, these Mike's hard labels on the bottle. We have the bottle itself, and we have this little six-pack um, cardboard that comes as a handy little carrying case, as I might add, for these uh, delicious Mike hards. So, so what you're saying is that a lot of the reason why we have so much waste is because in in this world of of consumption a lot of people will look at not a lot of people i actually think that most people don't think like this but people will look at uh six pack of mike's hard lemonade as just the liquid that's inside right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they forget about the case like oh how can i toss that case out yep whereas i i think that the the way that we're moving the way that people should be moving is how can i take that apart and and use these things for my own my own needs. It's a philosophy, right? Yeah. It's a philosophy. Waste is a product of a of a weird, poor, f- consumer-based philosophy. Yeah. It's just a word. Yeah. It's a bad word. And there's two ways to deal with waste, and one is by getting rid of rid of those things that people don't know how to to upcycle and reuse by, like, maybe you have, uh, what was it, Sun Chips a while back started making their, their chip bags out of a a compostable plastic where you could just like if you wanted like throw it on the ground and it would eventually compost yeah and um they're like loud enough to wake up your neighbor yeah (laughs) they're so crunchy (laughs) um and then the other way is to to eventually for people to develop a frame of thought where like one they're very conscious about what they buy and the waste that comes with it and then two they know what to do with that waste do you think like health food stores like mom's is ever gonna sell potato chips in bulk, <laughs> just like a Maybe big not. barrel of potato chips? And you but bring doesn't your own. doesn't moms um sell? I haven't been there, but they look like the type of place that would sell pasta and big uh like like you have you come yeah, and you put some... in your own thing yeah like your own container so you can actually, buy it by the pound. Actually, there yeah a lot of uh there's a lot of good deals when you buy things in bulk like that. Like you can get dried herbs, which is actually a pretty good deal. No, and it, it costs less because you're not paying for all the packaging. With, with yeah. a lot of products, for example, well, the cost for bottled water is totally, totally just sky... Like it's so high f- arbitrarily because they can price it for that because if you're dumb enough to buy bottled water in a city that has decent tap water, you're, you're a duck. But um, like all of the cost of bottled water that isn't the water is... It, it's mostly the plastic bottle that it yeah, comes Yeah, the manufacturing cost. Yeah, it's like like the water is super cheap. Yeah. So I want to talk about the Philippines a little bit because I grew up there to uh, consider it a third world country and, and people there have learned to become a little ingenious with what, you know, I'm using the word waste again, the waste that happens. In, and in, in the Philippines, there's a, a huge problem with garbage and trash in the biggest cities, namely Manila. Manila is disgusting and stinky uh, because of all the garbage that people throw in the river. I mean, it smells bad in certain spots. Like, really, really, really disgusting. Like old paint just... water, like in my studio? No, dude, way worse than that. <laughs> I'm, ta- I'm talking like a smell that you've never smelled. Like a hair that, that could burn your hairs off your face smell. Because like, they just put garbage bags out in the street. Like, and they're, they'd just be sitting in the street for a long time and just like the nasty liquid. Anyway. Yeah, no, I get what you're talking about. So, um, in the Philippines, there have been, th- th- there's this invention to help people in poverty get light and people that can't afford electricity. What they do is they basically cut a hole on the roof of this person's like pretty much makeshift home. In the Philippines, a lot of people squatters is there a word for it what for like the makeshift home 
Uh, they're just like little squatter villages, from what I remember. Um, they just called them the squatters. So basically, you know, a squatter, everyone knows what that is, is people that um, kind of build a community in public land and they don't pay any tax for it. So people literally build houses out of like corrugated metals and other trash that they find that has been discarded and they, they make homes in the fucking city like under a bridge or something like that. And li- literally communities are built from that garbage all over Manila. And sometimes the government comes and finds them and shuts it all down and tears it down, which sucks. But um, my point is that these people who are struggling to survive, survive by recycling. And they even figured out how to get light in their homes using a two liter bottle filled with water and bleach, maybe something else. But the idea is you put the water and, and bleach solution uh, in a big two liter bottle and then you cut a hole in the roof of one of these homes and you just stick that bottle into that hole and the way that it refracts the light the natural sunlight outside can light a home the same way as a light bulb would have you ever seen that before no i haven't yeah it's That's pretty so dope. cool yeah I, i'm gonna look it up right now but i think it's just water and bleach and the whole idea was that like you can really you know make and figure out uh how to respond to a real need with very inexpensive products yeah i mean i i think that that's probably gonna be the cornerstone of of most of society if you know society collapse like when when society collapses when when industry runs out of materials that's gonna be all we have left and you see um, really apocalyptic visions of it in things like Mad Max or, or Fallout, the game, or uh, Waterworld, one of the best movies of all time. But realistically, eventually, unless we just keep progressing, which some people believe in, some people don't, we're going to be in a society that needs to know not just how to recycle, but if they want to live comfortably, we're going to need to know how to recycle intelligently, Right. I think that that's the future of automated technology, and I think that's where it should go. Is how to recycle intelligently? Well, yeah. Uh, well, so here's the thing. I, w- this is just my little fantasy, is that we're at a point right now where technology is growing at a rate where people are getting scared again because jobs are getting They're lost. getting deleted. And that's because that's really a condition of technology technological advancement that's happened like throughout all of history industrial revolution a bunch of people lost jobs um right now it's pretty much the uh the next technological revolution i guess you can call it it, i guess we're still an evolution from industrial revolution is the same thing pretty much yeah or an internet revolution whatever you want to call it we're going to lose jobs soon. Now now technology is about to get automated even more. But I really think that we're just going to... We we have to respond to that by adapting in a different way. So what can we do? We can just automate it, automate more things in a better way to free more people up to do different jobs. That's what's going to happen. We're going to learn n- new jobs to do. And one of the most logical things for, for, for a society, I think, to to figure out more jobs with is to deal with the trash that we've accumulated in creative ways. I think that that's what we should do. If Damn, have, I didn't think about that. Yeah. That's a new job is just like dealing with, with trash in creative ways. There's cool. always jobs. Yeah, there is always jobs. It's impossible to determine what new jobs will come out because it's always going to be a reflection of the technology that's taking some jobs away. But when that technology does take more jobs away, it frees up more people to do new jobs and gives people more time to think about it, maybe. Yeah, I guess for as long as there are people who grow food and build houses that are willing to trade that for other things, there will always be a job. There's always going to be jobs, and there's always going to be people creative enough to figure out new ways to continue, really, and make things better and make things more positive. I think that's the only way for societies to grow is for things to grow for us to produce things in 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 positive positive outcomes you know and it's hard to do that when you live in a hierarchical society 
because in a way it kind of cancels out, you know? Well, if you just simply don't have the time to do positive stuff because you don't get to eat if you don't go to this job, then... And if the job is a net negative, like, like let's say your job is uh, collecting debts for some mobster, um, some mobster like, I don't know, Bank of America or something, like, you don't really have the time, you know, you're working 60 hours a week, you don't have the time to go clean up a park. Yeah. Yeah, and it, I, I get angry at idealist college students who are like, you live in a first world country, like, you could quit that job and do this other thing, who, like, don't realize that, like, that's scary as fuck and it's probably really hard yeah and some people have kids and some people are too their skin's too dark yeah and you, to you have can't, that luxury. yeah exactly you yeah. can't just like dip and like just start like oh i'm just gonna start doing things to better the planet but you know there is there is a case to be made about people who are and um continue to be independent and starting their own ideas and doing a bunch of hard work so that they can start their own like little company, you know. For sure, it's just that's that's really hard, and there's less and less space every day because there's, even though there's more and more probably money and resources that are developed, there, you know, it, it's a it's a hard market out there, and it's also not fair to measure someone's. I'm not saying that you did this, but I'm saying that a lot of people do this to measure someone's value based on like their economical input. You know, some people just right. want to have like a simple life. Right, and you don't get to have like if the simplest life you can live is going in and being a teller every day, then like that's the simplest life you can live, and it's not fair for people to be like, oh, you could do more because even though you care, like that's not it's not their life to live for you. Yeah, you can't really measure the you can't you can't judge someone by the measure of their productivity. That's robotic. That's it's kind of like psycho a little bit. It's materializing people. In a way, if you measure if you measure yourself in terms of how productive you are and like whether or not your amount of productivity at the end of your life determines whether or not you will like either go to heaven or have a fulfilled life when you're like sitting there about to die or something like that. Yeah, it's like what? Well, here's the thing is I don't think I think that people should should measure themselves in terms of productivity if being happy counts as being productive like if if like you being happy and or you contributing to other people being happy counts as being productive i think that's fair because there's a lot of people who like will not measure themselves in terms of being productive and will just live their life unhappy you know that's a complicated one to yeah to unpack to unpack yeah for sure I, i don't think that people should like, I don't think that someone's not valuable because they don't, I don't know, contribute to society or whatever. But if you're not contributing to society and also you're unhappy, that sucks. I'm so sorry for you. Like, I'm not saying that there's a problem with you. I'm just saying, like, that's, like, a re- really depressing. Hmm. And I hope that you you figure that out or that someone can help you figure that out. Yeah. I think that that term contributing to society is is a tricky one because of well everyone's metrics are different right yeah like whose society are you talking about what if like you can contribute to your neighborhood you can contribute to your family but when you get to that question like whose society really are 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 you is it best for you to contribute to how do you know you're contributing to the whole United States? That's not really possible, you know. Or are you just contributing to Jeff Bezos's pocket if you're working for Amazon? You're doing something for the society. What does that mean? I I honestly think that people should really focus on contributing to themselves, but they should realize that the good of the village is the good of the individual. So like you should yeah. like I I'm not I don't have a problem with being with people with being bleh. let me run it back. I don't have a problem with people being selfish. I have a problem with people being selfish and not realizing they're fucking themselves over by not helping others because helping others really helps you. Yeah, man. It really does. You got to recycle that selfishness. Yeah, recycle it into, you know, you clean up the park a little bit, boom. Other people want to clean up the park a little bit, boom. You have a good place to take a date. There you go, buddy. There you go. There you go. It's a clean park now. Life is about service. Life is about working with each other. It's not about individual success. It never is. Boom, you're walking down the street. Some guy's like, hey, man, my car needs some gas. You give him some gas money. 
someone sees you do that, they're like, oh, that's a good guy. Next time I see him, I'm going to give him 20% off on a pizza because I work at Domino's. Boom. Good so for you. We're, we're, you know, we're getting close to the end. What's of that? Like, what, what the world? Of, no. <laughs> well, yeah, we have five minutes left. But, so, art, recycling, uh, yeah. creativity. I forgot this art podcast. Well, look, not we're not asking everybody to stop making regular paintings and just, like, only make sculptural pieces from their garbage or anything like that. I think the idea is more so that we we are creative because we need to we need to recycle. We need to reuse things. Yeah, yeah. like we have we, we got to find ways to use things over and over again instead of calling it waste. Yeah. And I, I find that a lot of people who do more traditional forms of art that require newly produced materials um they take old ideas and they recycle into something new. And yeah. that's also important. Like we 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 harp a right. lot on the importance of of artistic expression and creativity and ultimately if you feel like you're not doing enough you might not be but we're not telling you that you need to do more it's your life mm-hmm. but just keep in mind that that there's a there's a consideration there's a level of creativity that comes to recycle that comes from recycling that you don't get any other way mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's something to consider you know yeah. think about thinking about that empty mic's hard in your hand after you finish it and think about think about where that's gonna go. I'm not trying to guilt trip you or anything, but yeah, when I hear recycling, the first thing I think about is responsibility. Yeah, and I don't know. It makes me feel kind of weird because it makes <laughs> me feel like a bad person because I don't do it enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're terrible people. It's kind of hard not to be terrible on the planet existing in a society, my guy. Yeah. Let me tell you guys something real fucked up that I think about a lot is uh. One thing you can do is stop buying stuff from companies that have single-use products, if you want. That's the bare minimum, I think. You know, one thing that America should actually continue, uh, start doing, take an example from the Canadians, is just take all of our trash and ship it to the Philippines. Dude, yeah. You can catch these hands, Canada. Uh, So what Gage is referring to is... uh, (laughs) We stumbled upon this article where uh, the Filipino president, uh, Rodrigo Duterte, Duterte uh, got mad because they uh, apparently sent a big old shipping container filled with what they called recycling, recyclable products, but they opened it up and it's just a bunch of trash. So Like, he, di- like, like used diapers and like stuff like stuff you can't recycle. Yeah, yeah. Too, many, too much poo-poo and pee-pee in there. Yeah. So he was like, yo, if you guys don't take this back, um, I'm going to be really mad. And then they took it back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but he was really he was starting war over yeah. that. And then Gage sent me a picture of this little dude making action figures out of old flip flops. That's what you do in the Philippines. My cousins did that stuff. They made toys out of trash all the time. Yeah, we we went outside and we uh we played with spiders. You know, <laughs> that's what that's what our game was. <laughs> you, know, you guys want to go outside and play with spiders? I think we all want to go outside and play with spiders. And I, on that note, I think it's time to end the podcast. Yeah, I mean, hey. Shouts out to uh, all our peeps out there. Shouts out to everybody that's been listening to us. This, is, this has been episode uh, 16. We're 16 in. Hopefully, uh, you guys... Holy shit. Yeah, we're 16 in, man. Okay. You can follow us on Instagram at paid.artists. Um, you can go to our website, artprospodcast.com. There's some cool stuff on there. There's the links to all this stuff. If you want to send someone our podcast, you can send them artprospodcast.com. And our Patreon, which we use to to do more than fifteen minutes of research. Once we get that that sweet sweet bread, you guys, yeah. for the price of a for less than the price of a cup of of good coffee a month, you can make sure that the art pros keep on keeping on drinking these Mike's Hard Lemonade. And that URL is patreon.com slash artprospodcast, spelled how it sounds. You got anything to drop, friends? Yeah. Alternatively, um, uh, just if you wanna if you wanna go and contribute and if you want to see more dank content from us you can go to the website and you can click on the menu in the top right and you you click sign up apply for an internship okay and you're going to go and you're going to hit the application screen and then it's going to ask you for um your credit card information you just put that on you make sure you click ten dollars a month (laughs) and that's it you know you're in yeah, we'll we'll do an in in person uh call call in interview first and an in person interview, 
and then that's that. We'll we'll give you a call back. We'll call you. And and if that doesn't have you sold on donating to the Patreon, let me tell you, it's Renz's birthday on Monday. The day t- today, by the time you're listening to us, it's at least been one day since his birthday, and you guys are late. Beep 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 beep. beep. Gemini season, dragon energy in the house. We fucking love you guys. Love y'all. Don't forget uh, to microdose our episodes at least once a day and to uh, recycle old episodes and watch them again. Yeah. I mean, listen to them again. Yeah. You can also watch them, but I don't know. You're just sitting there looking. Anyways, let me stop before I tell any more bad jokes. All right, bye, y'all.